LCM. Tonight is August 3rd, 2023. Mm -hmm. Oh man, Gabe and I, we are very excited to be sharing with you this evening. Man, how could we not think about the sermon we just had on Sunday? We've been personally reflecting on the warrior. Say warrior. Warrior. And shepherd. Say shepherd. Shepherd. Character of our good king. And how we are made in his image. See, from Sunday, we learned that that warrior and shepherd-like character of our king are not two opposite characteristics. But rather, they are happening simultaneously. Man, this is so... This is... So true in the scripture that it is replete with examples upon examples to the point that we don't have time to tell you that in Genesis 7, God floods the entire world, those who were against his righteous judgment, while protecting Noah and his family at the exact same time. We don't have time to tell you about Joshua 6, where the Lord burns down Jericho, the whole city, while saving Rahab and sparing her family. We certainly don't have time to tell you about Daniel 6, where he rescued Daniel from the lions while crushing his enemies and their bones. And we don't have time to tell you about Acts 13, where the Lord strikes the sorcerer blind while saving the proconsul. What, what are we going to do with the book of Revelation? The entire book of Revelation shows that he is a lamb that was slain and the lion that brings judgment against his enemies. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he is the destroyer of death and the resurrection life for the called. If we had more time, we would tell you. But what we are going to do is jump straight (laughs) into the passage that Gabe and I personally were engaging with that we enjoyed the most. This particular passage shows the king, our great king, acting simultaneously as a great warrior and shepherd. Do you guys want to see it? Well, turn to the second book in your Bible, to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. How incredible is this church? Let's think about this for a second. Do you see how our king is both a warrior and a shepherd simultaneously? Absolutely. The pillar of cloud separated Egypt, the enemies of God, and darkness on one side. While simultaneously bringing light and protection to the people of Israel on the other. He can do two things at one time. He can do two things at one time, Gabe. This is his nature. This is who he is. The incredible revelation, though, church, is that you are made in his image. Come on, say, I am made in his image. image. Someone showed that Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, just says it plainly. Look at it in the ESV. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. LCM. From the first man, Adam, till now, you have been intrinsically imbued with God's warrior and shepherding nature. Now, when we say warrior and shepherding nature, what we're really talking about, Gabe, what we're really talking about is holy masculinity. Somebody say holy masculinity. Church, his kingly character of holy masculinity is inside each and every single one of you. See, that's, this holy masculinity, it's magnetic. It draws. Yeah. 
But it also does another thing. It repels by nature. See, church, we want to make it unequivocally clear tonight that holy masculinity is the solution to every problem we face. Everyone. Holy masculinity is exactly what this world needs. It's exactly what your job needs, Cody Stevens. It's exactly what is needed in your home. Say my home. My home. And it's exactly what is needed in your personal life. LCM, holy, max, holy max, masculinity, it fixes everything. Church, we're not taking that lightly. It literally fixes everything because it is God's divine nature at work inside of us. It is who he is, and therefore that is who we are. Not only does holy masculinity fix everything, it is the very answer for everything. So I think we'll introduce the title of tonight. I think we should, Gabe. The sermon title is The Answer to Everything. Y'all say that with us. The answer to everything. Now, while this is true. Yes. It is very true. Yes. We do have to acknowledge that there's a war against the holy masculine nature. And it might be a little closer to home than... We're comfortable with. It's, Gabe, it's definitely closer to home. We don't know about you guys, but we've seen some behaviors. Some might even say some unseemly tendencies that fight against our holy masculinity. These behaviors and tendencies, they're not just isolated to us or to our day and time. In fact, They've been perpetuated throughout the generations. So much so that even in Paul's time, he had to write to clearly address these tendencies. So we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 6 and start in verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, picking up in verse 9 in NIV. Look at what it says. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkard, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. LCM, most of you are familiar with this passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But we want to to say that, keep this in mind. Paul's writing to genuine believers when he says these things. And what he's referring to here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is a nature that is crucified in Christ, but is also still at war inside of a saved man. It's crucified in Christ, but it's also at war inside of a saved man. Can you guys relate to that? Can you relate to behaviors that you used to do before Jesus? And it's crucified at the cross. And you are transformed by the blood of Jesus. And as you're running after him, you still see some of those behaviors and tendencies still show up. Do you guys notice in the list, idolatry? Idolatry was crucified at the cross, Gabe. But I, but I still see the idolatry of self from time to time. See, the point we're trying to make here, LCM, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we want to draw your attention to one specific thing that Paul mentions on this list that truly wars against holy masculinity inside of us. Before we get there, I want you guys to wrestle with something that we had to wrestle with. 
He said this to believers. There's a list here. Has anybody in the room got one or two or three that you might go, yeah, that, that, that I still have that inside of me. I'm trying to put it to death. I know that I certainly do. We're going to get into the shocking revelation here about what we want to point out to you. And I bet it's not going to be what you thought it was. Yeah. Let's get into 1 Corinthians 6.9. Did you guys notice on the list male prostitutes? I did. We want to show you what the Greek word behind what is translated as male prostitutes Sambut, can we get that slide, please? Male prostitutes. The word here, the Greek word is malakos. It means soft to touch. Spoken of clothing made of soft material. Uh, figuratively, it means effeminate. Effeminate. Notice that we said effeminate, not feminine, because feminine is godly. Yes. Feminine is godly, it's righteous, it's holy. But effeminate is anti the nature of God. It is anti holy masculinity. This discovery shocked us, as you could tell. It was shocking. And we started to pair, peel back layers of the definition and what Paul was going after. Now that we're here, we would like to share from our own personal wrestling and engagement with this word. Yeah. How anti-holy masculinity, or effeminacy for shorthand, yeah. shows up in my life. My life too, Gabe. In your life. Yeah. We're going to start with me. And not me a year ago, yeah. or me a month ago. I'd like to say it was a week ago, but this one was yesterday. I am sitting with a coworker of mine. We have hours in a truck. And as this happens, we get to talking about our lives, wives, kids, and start talking about missions work. And we get into stories of cartel and feeding people. And, you know, he looked at me and he said, wow, that sounds really dangerous. And in that moment, I knew what my God wanted me to say is that he is worth it. But effeminacy rose up in me. Yeah. It resisted the holy masculinity and ever so slight of change that changed the entire meaning of the sentence. I said, it's worth it. I removed the masculinity of my God and the purpose for the mission and boiled it down to a humanitarian affair in a single moment. And if I'm being honest with you, it's because I was afraid. If I stand up here and I pose myself as the Christian on the second day here and the missionary, what happens in a year from now when I fail? What happens in a week from now when I laugh at something I shouldn't? I will have shamed my God in this church. Can y'all see how effeminate that is? Yes. Can you see every definition of that word rising up in that moment? This is how I began to identify effeminacy in my life this week. So Gabe speaks about how it shows up in his life at work. I'm going to speak about how it showed up in my life at home. The other day, I was feeling horrible physically. 
like really bad, felt sick. You guys ever been sick before? Of course you are, you're LCM. <laughs> We're sick all the time. Uh, it's late at night, had a long day. Pastor Matthew, been on the phone with Australia. And it's been a long day trying to solve all the problems of my job. And I started feeling ill. Of which there are many, by the way. Many. <laughs> and I'm feeling ill, like legitimately ill. And it's time for me to catch up with my wife. We're getting ready to go to bed, and I'm sitting on the couch with her. And she's talking about her day, and I'm checking out. All I can think about is how bad I feel in that moment. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And every, every so slightly, any chance I get, I, I interject her conversation as she's telling me about her day to remind her how bad I feel and how sick I feel. It just so happened that while I'm sitting on the couch with my wife, I remember that the next day was garbage day. So I need to go take out the trash. So I go outside, and I feel the conviction of God. And the Lord's like, Abimbola, is this how a man of God acts? You feel ill. So does that mean that you now push, put on your wife the responsibility for her to pastor herself? That is effeminate behavior. That is anti-holy masculinity. You know what I did, Gabe? When I felt the conviction of God, I ran back upstairs like, hey, babe, everything I just did, regardless of how I feel, doesn't matter if I'm throwing up and other things, what you need is pastoring right now in this moment. And what I did earlier, that was effeminate behavior. That is not holy masculinity. And because I have a feminine wife, yeah. Yeah, you and she's awesome, she forgave me. The point that we're trying to make here, LCM, is that there's absolutely a war against holy masculinity. So much so that it didn't skip the notice of our great King Jesus. We actually want to show you how Jesus himself addressed this very topic by contrasting effeminate behavior and what real holy masculinity looks like. We're going to go to Luke 7, starting in verse 24. While you're getting there, what has been worrying in us is considering that we all know the right things to say yeah. and even the right ones to do. Yeah. But this effeminacy still rears its ugly head to kill the masculinity. We're going to take a look at an example here with Jesus contrasting masculinity and effeminacy. We're going to start in verse 24. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? What? A reed shaken by the wind? Hmm. No. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Soft clothing. Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing live in luxury and are in king's courts. Church, we're not sure if you caught it, but... Jesus is not mincing words in any way, and we encourage you to go look at the Greek after this. Yeah. But the word for soft there is the same Greek word we just put up on the slide. It is malakos, yeah. effeminate. Yeah. And the word for luxury is not malakos, but in fact another Greek word that is another way to say effeminate riotous living. So Jesus is clearly referring to an effeminately dressed man who lives in an effeminate way. What then did you go out into the desert to see? A prophet. 
Yes, I tell you more than a prophet. John was a prophet and a man in every way. His life so contrasted this effeminate man that he lived in the wilderness off of only what the Lord provided yeah. him. He wore the pelts of beasts upon, upon his body. Yeah. He baptized our Lord and Savior and countless others into this great salvation. John was both a priestly warrior yes. and a shepherd. Yeah. You ever wondered where John got the camel hair from? Camel hair from? Because he's a man. He got the job done. See, John the Immerser was a model of what holy masculinity looks like. He refused the effeminate ways of men, their patterns, their tradition of his day, and stood on godly biblical convictions and raised up other men of God as disciples who would go further than him. See, John did this by rightly reflecting the Lord and his divine nature. I love how people try to make Jesus this, this soft man. He's not. He's clearly telling people the contrast between a real man and an effeminate man. Soft. Soft, effeminate man. But what we have is an example and a model like John the Immerser, who was the complete opposite of that. He did this by rightly reflecting God's divine nature inside of him. See, LCM, I want to tell you tonight. Like John the Immerser, his holy masculinity was the answer to the effeminate problem in his day and time. And we want to tell you and talk to you about another man that greatly inspired us in the scriptures. Another man who faced the exact same thing that we're facing in our day and time today, who rose up and he addressed the effeminate things that he saw in his day and time. Do you guys want to see this great man? Yeah. Say, we want to see him, Abimbola. You guys go to Nehemiah chapter 6. Oh, yeah. You excited, Adam? Oh, We're going to start in verse 10. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehethabel, who was shut in his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God. Yes. Inside the temple. And let us close the doors because men are coming to kill you. They're coming, Gabe. Men are coming to kill you by night. Shemaiah is uh, the quintessential effeminate man. Yeah, this guy is like the, the poster child of effeminacy. He's hiding in his home. He's hiding from the work. And he is trying to get someone else to do the same. Wow. He has given over his God-given nature for something lesser. Something... That is anti-holy masculinity. The later verses go on to reveal that Shemaiah had hired himself out to work against Nehemiah. Think through the imagery of 1 Corinthians 6. He has abdicated his original design, his holy masculinity, and he's allowed himself to be bought for, shall we say, favors. He is serving as... You know what? Yeah. Let's think about Shemaiah's motives here. Why did he allow himself to be hired out? What was he hired out for? Maybe it was money. That's, That's a pretty good assumption. Motivation for most people. Why did he whore, I mean, hire himself out? Maybe it was for a better position. You know, Maybe. better job. Maybe. Yeah. 
Did he do it for status? Maybe he just wanted to be a little bit better than Nehemiah in other people's eyes. Or maybe he just wanted to outright be superior to him and let him know it. Or was it just to be comfortable knowing that somebody else had been as effeminate as he was? He hired him out, himself out for something. He was absolutely wrapped up in fear and only seeks to shrink back from what is right while trying to manipulate the situation around him rather than change himself. Church, as, as much fun as we had studying this and ragging on Shemaiah. And I love doing it. We had to come to the sober reality that every single one of us has a Shemaiah nature, effeminate nature that is inside of us. That is warring against the divine identity and nature of God inside of us as men of God. So, we're just going to do it, Gabe. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's talk about Abimbola. Let's talk about myself. What does this look like in my life? The other day, I, I sat down with the pastors and got the best sweetest spring of life rebuke that I've ever received in my entire walk. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. I'm being serious. And it was to deal with something that I noticed in my home that has been pointed out in my home, but I did nothing about it. Can you guys relate to that? Yeah. Like you, 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 you see it in your home. It's not a mystery. No, you see it. Right? We act like it is, it's, though. It's, it's called out in your life. <laughs> Pastors, brothers. You see it in your life, but you just, yeah, I'll get to that. Or I'll, I'll put the least amount of effort into this, and hopefully it gets better. So this was me demonstrating on full display effeminate behavior in my own home, in my own marriage. Specifically, in the area of transparency, the pastor looked at me and was like, hey, this is a feminine behavior. You are not transparent. You have walls up, and it's impacting your wife. It's impacting your marriage. It's impacting your family. Can I tell you how much I needed to hear that? That it's not like I didn't know. Just didn't know. But I needed to know. It had to be said. It had to be called out for what it was. It's not love to say, hey, we, we sort of see something in your life and we don't want to offend you and hopefully you'll just come to the right conclusion. That's not what happened. What I was doing in my home, ignoring the, the constant correction, the constant uh, direction of these things that I'm clearly just ignoring in my home because it's presently in my life. Walls in my life of transparency, barriers in my life of transparency. What I was really doing was I was abdicating my responsibility as the head of my home to effeminate worldly behavior. See, the walls needed to come down, and they did. As much as I would like to lighten this up on everybody in the room, I can't leave Avambola alone up here. Yeah, we are doing this together. So it is my turn. My effeminate behavior showed up, uh, well, in an interaction with a young man yeah. that brought something to me as a thus saith the Lord that was clearly wrong. And 
projecting on himself clearly what was his own problem. And my effeminate behavior rose up because I felt awkward, you know? Yeah. I wasn't sure how to handle the situation. I just wanted to be congenial. And then I got to uh, our Thursday nights where we hang out with these beloved brothers and uh, Abdenbola rebuked me to my face for not having a response or a representation of God at all. I just said nothing. I was not a warrior. I was not a shepherd. And I certainly wasn't both simultaneously. I completely abdicated my role, holy masculinity and authority for effeminacy because it was comfortable. And I did the most hateful thing I could do to a man that needs help. I ignored him. You see, this effeminacy shows up in our lives in a lot of ways yep. that we don't think about. We'd like to pick on the limp wrists. We'd like to pick on all of the things that are going out in the world. But the truth is, Abimbola, yeah. effeminacy lives right here. Yeah. And it shows up in so many ways that uh, more, than, more than I have the courage to say, in fact. Yeah. Truth, the truth is, church, you're likely feeling just like we did wrestling with this during the week, especially putting it together. You can be tempted to teeter between being offended. They called me effeminate, proving our point. Or downcast. I am just effeminate. Neither of these are the right response. No, they're not. We have the answer. Yes. Some might say the answer for everything. In Nehemiah's response to effeminate behavior and resistance. Check this out in verse 11. Nehemiah said, but I said, should a man like me run away, Shemaiah? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Come on, say it with us. I will not go. What Nehemiah is saying here clearly is, I am the answer to this problem. Elsie, we are the answer to this problem. You see effeminate behavior inside of you? Do you see it? Now put it to death by rising up as the man of God that you're called to be. See, Nehemiah, Nehemiah had an opportunity to shrink back. He had an opportunity to pretend like he didn't hear what Shemaiah was saying. But he stepped into it and said, hey, we're going to fix this thing because I'm a holy masculine man. I have a holy father and I'm going to rightly represent him here. Come on. See, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 11... That, hey, this is what some of you were. But you were washed. Say washed. washed. You were sanctified. Say sanctified. Sanctified. You were justified. Say justified. Justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. See, while Shemaiah might be present, what is equally true, more, more so true, is Nehemiah represents the holy masculinity nature that is very alive in each and every single one of us. See, like Nehemiah LCM, we will refuse to give in to the effeminate nature by walking and living in our holy masculine nature. We're going to walk in it, LCM. Amen. When Jesus poured out his blood for you, he poured out his blood for you so that you would be the same ones that would judge angels at the end of the ages. Come on. He, he called you to be his own. He drew you to him to imitate not even imitate to be exactly yeah, yeah, like him yeah, 
And that is what has built this church where you look around our, our leadership team, look at our pastors, look at our elders. These are men that refuse to bend. They have the divine work of God working inside of them. They have an iron spine of conviction and they stand upon it. And you've been benefited by it, LCM. I've been benefited by it as well. See, holy masculinity is action, not inaction. You notice that Nehemiah, Gabe, he's not even phased by what Shemaiah said. He's not even sidetracked for a little bit because he has real work to do because he was a real man. He's a man on a mission. If you keep reading in verse, in verse 15 of Nehemiah 6, it says, So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Azul in 52 days. So what is Nehemiah's response to Shemaiah calling out to him? I'm going to build that wall. I'm just going to build the wall. I'm just going to get to work. I'm just going to rise up and do exactly what God has called me to do. See, Elsie, we're just like Nehemiah. We have work to do, like Ephesians 2.10 says, that we are his workmanship, Chris Riosora. We're his workmanship, Elijah, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Come on. Church, let's consider what happens if Nehemiah gives in. Why was he so motivated to resist this effeminate nature? Who is it that's ultimately affected if he gives in? The people. His brothers. The families. The generations are on the line. And so he stands up in his holy masculinity and he is the wall. He is the dividing line between what seeks to devour his people. Nehemiah is a warrior facing Shemaiah. Facing off with the enemies of God, while he is also presently a shepherd protecting the people and generations of Israel from the wolves that seek to devour them. Nehemiah's holy masculinity was the answer for his day and time. And you, your holy masculinity is the answer for every single problem you face at work, in your home, at church, in your daily life. We love how in dark times, Nehemiah rises. He rises up as the man of God that he is, and he rightly reflects the great character of his king. This reminded us of another man who takes hold of that holy masculinity and displays it on the earth. Before we go to this passage, Micaiah Spites, I want you to repeat after me. Say, my holy masculinity masculinity is the answer to everything. It is the answer in your personal life. It is the answer in your relationship with your brothers. It is the answer to your job and your workplace. It literally is the answer to every single thing that you will face. That's exactly what the world needs. That's why they're, 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 they're mad out there. They don't know what's right between right and wrong. But we do, people of God. And he has made us in his image. Come on. Do you feel the spirit of God rising inside of you? This is the answer that the world needs. And the more that we walk in this, the more souls we're going to see. The more men, are, more men and women are going to come into the kingdom and rightly know their identity and go out and build the kingdom of God. So Gabe said, it reminded us of another man. His name was David. So let's go to Psalm chapter 23. In the ESV, we're going to pick up in verse 4. We will make a break from the holy, beloved, and only right translation, the NIV, for a couple of verses. (laughs) Check this out in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. My family, like David, we have all experienced the comfort of the Lord's rod and his staff. Can you guys agree to that? We've experienced his warrior and his shepherding like nature, his holy masculine nature displayed towards us. And when you think about David, isn't this man a model for us? When you study the life of David, aren't you inspired by the things that he goes on to do? See, David's life was a model, and he, but he wasn't just a recipient of the Lord's holy masculinity towards him, but he rightly reflected what he experienced and what, true, and what truly was innately inside of him, and it moved him to demonstrate that to other people. It moved him to demonstrate that to his family, his brothers, and ultimately the nation. I mean, look at 1 Samuel 17. How does a man just show up and slay a giant? Well, he's been doing it a long time ago, protecting sheep. Because he is a warrior and a shepherd simultaneously at the exact same time. You mean this nature was intrinsic? It was intrinsic. God ordained it and he placed it inside of the man, just like Genesis 1.27. And the Lord has done the exact same for us. And men like David are an inspiration to us. But we have to say this, LCM. We have experienced holy masculinity from our father and he has made us in his image. So therefore, what we're going to do, LCM, we are going to walk rightly in who he has called us to be and demonstrate holy masculinity in our marriages, holy masculinity in our parenting, holy masculinity in our relationships, holy masculinity to the entire world around us because holy masculinity is the answer to everything. Church, I just on David for a minute yeah. further. Where is he? The valley of the shadow of death. And what was the answer to the valley of the shadow of death? Holy masculinity. This made us think of another man who took hold of holy masculinity. It was intrinsic in him, but he found it. He was rightly walking in his holy masculinity to the whole world. So we're going to go to Philippians 1 and start in verse 3. Yeah, can we say that when we get there? I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you. Since I have you in my heart, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. This is extremely affectionate language. I may have sent this to Miss Olivia a time or two when we were dating. It is him kindly walking his shepherding his tender flock. While he is currently a warrior in chains, defending and confirming the gospel, Paul was simultaneously a warrior and a shepherd. He was a holy, masculine man, and he was confident that the Philippians were currently and would continue to walk in masculinity as well. And if they did it, we will too. Say it with me, we will too. We will too. Elsie, and put yourself 
in the perspective of Paul when you read and engage with Philippians chapter 1. Because it is the proper perspective that we're supposed to have. When we're speaking of holy masculinity being the answer to everything. Like brother Paul addressed his brothers in the book of Philippians. He exhorts them to do all things without grumbling and complaining. And also he has overwhelming affection and affirmation towards them. He is rightly serving them as a warrior and a shepherd at the exact same time. So if we've worked through lives like John the Immerser, Nehemiah, David, now Paul. We want to take the time to, to share with you guys some key practical takeaways of how you can continue to walk in holy masculinity that is the answer to everything. So we just want to make sure that this is clear and it's not confused. Yeah. Effeminacy is the opposite of holy masculinity. Effeminacy is the opposite of holy masculinity. Anything that is not masculine is effeminate. Holy masculinity is an action, not an action. So let's just talk through some practical actions. Y'all want to go through some practical steps? Men in the room, because this is about holy masculinity. This isn't regardless of father or husband. This is what a man is and a man does. Be the first to be transparent with your wives, with your brothers. No walls, no barriers around you. Be the first to repent, putting to death these effeminate behaviors. And also be the first to uphold the righteous standard of God. This is Psalm 45, 7. You were exalted because you loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Be the first to inquire of God and follow his direction. Be the first to pastor when it hurts. Be the first to confront wickedness, effeminacy, when it's uncomfortable. Because these masculine traits are going to be warred with. None of these are going to be easy. That's why it takes a holy masculinity to accomplish it. All the men in the room say, I'm going to do it. Now to the women in the room, you are to reflect your husbands and single women, you know who your husband is. It's King Jesus. But we also want to take some time to address the single women in the room. Not, not only is King Jesus your husband, you've been given righteous fathers in this body, in this church, the pastoral team, men who are holy, masculine men who are looking out for you. Men who rightly display the righteousness of God. Men who rightly display the warrior and the shepherd-like nature of our great king. You are in a perfect place where God has placed you. Yeah. Teams. In your team unity meetings, your step three as we call it, don't abdicate your responsibility to hear from God based on your convictions in the word and present them. And also... Honor the decisions that are made in that unity meeting as a team. Say that one more time, Gabe. In your step threes, do not abdicate your responsibility to convey your convictions based on the word of God in the presence of other men of God. And then have the holy masculinity to accept those decisions that are made in that team. Church, 
There's a reason that a message like this is so important and also so hated and so opposed in the world at large and in our own hearts. It's because it's the answer for everything. Ephesians 4 just comes out and says it plainly. So we're going to let Paul do it for us. Let's go to Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11, and we will also do it in the ESV. Yes. (laughs) He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Church, you are the pillar and foundation of truth. And as the head goes, so will the body. If the men in this room stand up in our holy masculinity, then the entire church will stand up in their holy masculinity. When the church and the body of Christ stands up in their holy masculinity, then so will the whole world. This message is about the salvation of the cosmos. And it relies on every man in this room standing up in your holy masculinity. So stand to your feet. We only have one more passage to share with you guys. We're going to take it out of the ESV. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, picking up in verse 13. Listen to this like you've never heard it before. Says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Verses 13 and 14 of 1 Corinthians 16, they're one and the same. It is the warrior and shepherd like nature happens simultaneously. This church is holy masculinity. In LCM, this is who we are. Whether we're talking about John the Immerser, whether we're talking about Jesus, Nehemiah, Paul, David, men rose up in their God-ordained identity and walked out holy masculinity and immense salvation for others. So with that being said, if one of these items listed from the practical steps that we gave earlier pulled at your heart and you were under the conviction of your failure to accomplish your masculine goal, then repent by going and doing the good you know you ought to do. If you felt compelled to come to the altar, let it be a moment of commitment to go do out there to what you committed to your God in here. But this altar is not for groveling, groveling. It's not for tears, it's not for weeping. But rather this altar is for vows to your God that you will fulfill in the presence of all his people which you have promised him. Showing that you have answered the call to holy masculinity that is the answer to everything. Can you say that was a good word by the brothers tonight? What they did tonight laid out an amazing example for us. They even used examples from their own lives to make it super clear. 
I don't want to waste an opportunity to bring this to even more of a razor's edge for us tonight. I have one passage before we have our altar call. It comes from the words of Elihu in Job 36. We're going to start in verse 13. It says, The godless in heart harbor resentment. Even when he fetters them, meaning God, they do not cry for help. They die in their youth among male prostitutes of the shrines. Some other translations say they die among the effeminate. Guys, it's true that all of us have some amount of effemacy in our lives right now. But the one that will kill you, the one that will not allow you to move forward, the one that will destroy you even as you stand among the righteous, is the one that is defined by harboring resentment. Tonight, we must deal with that first so that that effeminate nature can be destroyed and there can be actual growth in the house of God this evening. I'm asking, and your pastors are asking this evening, for you to evaluate your marriages tonight. That if there, men, if there's an effeminate part of your marriage, there's an area of resentment that you have toward your partner in the faith, then get with them tonight and deal with it as we get into worship. Teams, we're talking to you, and these men brought it up. If you are in a team setting and there is any ounce of resentment one to another, men, tonight is the night where you deal with that in your teams. God is going to purify his house in resentment tonight so that we can stand up as the warriors and the shepherds of God that he has called us to be. As we enter into worship this evening, do what you must do. Start with that resentment. And if you've dealt with that in your heart, then visit the altar for some of the other areas that these brothers have dealt with tonight. Gabe, can you pray for us? We thank you that you are the author of holy masculinity and you bestow it on your chosen vessels and you have bestowed it on us this evening. Lord, we ask that you would rend our hearts and not our garments. Lord, that there would be a marker stone that resentment and effeminacy dies here tonight. Lord, in all of us and that we stand up in what you called us to be.